Section 9 of The Age of Anne by Edward Ellis Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 9 The Year of Victory, 1706. Section 1 Romilies. The year 1706 was the most important in the whole war to the cause of the Allies, for in that year they won brilliant successes in three different quarters in spain there was at the same time the triumphant raising of the siege of barcelona by lord peterborough and the march of lord galway to madrid in the netherlands the easily won victory of ramillies led to the recovery of the whole country from the french in italy eugene's brilliant victory brought about the raising of the siege of turin and was followed by the overthrow of the french cause throughout the whole of not only savoy but italy marlborough knowing the critical state of affairs in italy had wished to be allowed to repeat the campaign of blenheim and marching his army quickly into italy to join with eugene in raising the siege of turin but his army was composed of contingents from different allies whose leave he had to ask to take them and this was refused by many of the different governments the dutch were especially afraid that their border would again be left unprotected acquiescing in the reversal of his policy marlborough set off to meet the enemy with a heavy heart yet he was marching to one of his most brilliant victories he had under him in the netherlands a force of about sixty thousand men most of whom were english and dutch opposed to him was marshal villeroy with a french army of about the same size as his own with him was the elector of bavaria ready to fulfil his own saying when offered terms by the allies that since the wine was a brooch he was ready to drink it to the lees the french general seems to have known that the allies were late in making preparations and to have thought that by a speedy advance he might find marlborough with his english troops alone and unprepared he learnt his mistake when they met on the battlefield of ramillies the village which has given its name to this battle stands in the middle of a high plain in brabant three rivers rise close by it the little geat the great geat mere brooks flow northwards uniting at some leagues distance and then flowing into a tributary of the scheldt they are separated by a narrow belt of land at first not more than a mile in breadth but expanding as they flow apart the mahenya to the south of the field flows eastward then some miles further on turns south and joins the meuse the french right wing rested on the mahenya at the village of tavier their line extending in a large arc the centre being strongly stationed in the village of ramillies and at Ophus, which lies a little to its left. The left of the whole line was at the village of Anderkirk on the Little Geet. Marlborough took advantage of this arrangement. It is manifest that if two armies face each other, one in a concave and the other in a convex order, the latter has this advantage, that troops can be more quickly moved from one flank to the other behind the french line between the right and centre where the cavalry were stationed stands an old barrow called the tomb of odomond marlborough saw that this commanded the field 
and made it his object to break through the line and secure it to conceal his design he made a vehement attack on the french left to strengthen which villeroy sent his reserve and all the soldiers that he could spare marlborough then in such a way that they were not missed detached a large body of troops who marched hidden by a slightly rising ground to reinforce his own left but before the attempt to break through the line was carried out the attack on anderkirk was followed by assaults on the villages of ramillies and taviere the latter were quickly carried the real crisis of the battle was the cavalry fight that followed the dutch general charged and the first line of the french was driven back but the second line consisted of the finest troops of france the maison du roi the french household brigade the regiment which had won steinkirch and which consisted now as then of the young nobles famous for their valour and careless of their lives the dutch were driven back marlborough ordered up every available sabre and himself galloped to the front just as he was coming forward he was recognised by some french dragoons who nearly made him prisoner sword in hand he fought himself free and tried to make his horse leap a ditch but he fell to the ground an aide-de-camp brought him another horse and as a colonel held the stirrup a cannon-ball took off his head saved as it were by miracle marlborough headed the charge the famous french regiment was overpowered by numbers the village of ramillies was taken and immediately afterwards the tomb of odomond the french line was thus cut in two the french still held anderkirk the village on their left and the advance of the allies was impeded by the confusion which reigned over the field marlborough halted his troops to reform their lines and the french bravely attempted to face them when marlborough once more ordered the advance to be sounded a panic seized the french and they fled the battle had lasted three hours till late into the night the flying french were pursued by the english cavalry all their artillery except six guns fell into the hands of the allies the french lost in killed wounded and prisoners fifteen thousand men the allies less than a quarter of that number the battle of ramillies may twenty third seventeen o six was by no means so valiantly contested as that of blenheim its results however were quite as important blenheim saved the empire ramillies conquered the netherlands marshal villeroy and the elector of bavaria halted in louvain but they decided that they could not hold it and the town capitulated next morning brussels the capital of brabant opened its gates to the conquerors and proclaimed the archduke charles as its sovereign marlborough on his name guaranteed the liberties of the province as the archduke himself had done in catalonia moreover when the dutch wished to levy a contribution on the inhabitants of brabant toward the expenses of the war and the english government were inclined to adopt the policy marlborough protested so warmly that the scheme was not carried out other towns hastened to follow the example of brussels the fortresses occupied by french troops alone held out marlborough first proceeded to antwerp which was expected to cause him trouble 
but a quarrel had begun between the french soldiers and the walloons who jointly formed the garrison the latter declared for the allies and this strong fortress was captured without a blow ghent and bruges the two chief cities of flanders opened their gates then marlborough advanced upon ostend and began the siege with such vigour that it surrendered in nine days minon is a strong fortress on the lys which now serves as a boundary between france and belgium for vauban the great french engineer had fortified it with all his art louis had by this time sent his bravest marshal vendome to restore the fortunes of france on its northern frontier he approached marlborough's army as if with the intention of raising the siege of minon but the memory of ramillies was too much for the courage of his men every one here he reports to louis is ready to doff his hat if one even mentions the name of marlborough it took twenty-three days before minon fell dendermonde which lay to his rear was marlborough's real object it was so situated on the banks of the scheldt that by letting out the waters the governor could prevent an enemy's approach they must have an army of ducks louis had said to take dendermonde it surrendered however to marlborough in his dispatch he gives the reason that place could never have been taken but by the hand of god which gave us seven weeks without rain the rain began the day after we had taken possession and continued without intermission at surrendered next after a siege of twelve days and marlborough would also have attempted the strong fortress of mons if the dutch had been more prompt with supplies thus ended the brilliant campaign of seventeen o six all the results of which may be traced to the victory of ramillies the emperor and king charles wished to make marlborough governor of the country which he had thus conquered it was a post of importance and of considerable emolument the english government would have gladly seen him accept it but the dutch and even his friends amongst them made so strong an opposition that the plan was allowed to drop section two turin at the beginning of the year seventeen o six the cause of the allies in italy looked very gloomy it seemed that nothing could prevent the capture of turin that then they must be wholly driven out of italy and that the duke of savoy would be compelled to quit the grand alliance just as he had formerly quit it before the peace of reichsweck great efforts were therefore made to send strong support marlborough even went to vienna to obtain supplies and reinforcements for eugene and his representations were successful so that eugene was able to take the field with a larger and better equipped army than before just before his arrival in italy the imperialists had been defeated by vendome at calcinato the story ran that to lull the vigilance of the opposing general vendome had pretended to be ill and suddenly appearing well and at the head of his army had routed the imperialists eugene's first work was to reorganize the defeated troops meanwhile the french began the siege of turin it was commenced with true french politeness the french general by order of the king sent to offer safe passports for the princesses of savoy and to say that if the duke would point out their headquarters no bombs would be thrown there the duke sent answer that his daughters were already safe and that the french might throw their bombs where they thought proper 
having made all preparations for resisting the siege the duke left his capital thinking that the presence of a court might hinder the defence which he entrusted to down the father of one who was afterwards a famous austrian general in the seven years war messages were sent to inform eugene how critical was the state of turin he marched quickly from tyrol to its relief fortunately for the cause of the allies the battle of ramillies had just been won and louis recalled marshal vendome from italy as the only french general who could face the victorious marlborough in the place of vendome whom he so highly valued he sent his royal highness the duke of orleans and as the fashion was a general to guide him marshal marsin who had commanded part of the army opposed to eugene at blenheim the duke of orleans was merely ornamental marsin's reputation did not stand high it was said that he had been made a marshal only because madame de maintenon held a high opinion of his religious character eugene's quick march took him across three rivers the po the largest giving him the most trouble by a wide circuit to the south he reached the pass of stradella in a spur of the apennines running toward the po this pass was very important because it formed the communication between the french and their allies in the peninsula this occupation of the pass and the victory which followed it have been compared to a stab in the jugular artery or a blow on the spinal marrow marching from stradella on turin eugene effected a junction with the duke of savoy after surveying the ground from the heights of superga whence the city and the whole surrounding country can be seen the two generals determined on an attack news reached them that the siege which had now lasted for more than three months had reached such a point that the besiegers had twice forced their way within the fortifications and twice had been repulsed and that the defenders had fired away their last barrel of powder the allies were eager for battle when eugene's house steward asked him where he would dine the next evening at turin at turin he enthusiastically answered the french were stronger than the allies in numbers and much stronger in position they were behind entrenchments to the attack of which the allies had to march across a plain but bravery and generalship carried the day the french were signally routed september seventh seventeen o six the duke accompanied by eugene entered his delivered capital amid the ringing of bells and every sign of enthusiasm eugene dined that night in turin this was the third victory which secured to the allies important results indeed hardly less important than blenheim and ramillies the first of these was the effect on the minds of the french they were taught that marlborough was not the only general who could rout them i am sorry to tell you wrote one of their own officers that i no longer know my men they are so changed i will not give you a detail of the disorder in which they fought at turin and of the confusion which prevailed among us when we turned our backs on an army that even after the battle was much inferior to ours i will draw a curtain over this disagreeable scene but i cannot help telling you that our troops hardly think themselves safe here divided as they are by the alps from the enemy the same feeling was thus prevailing in the french army of the south as in that of the north and the army of the south also was compelled to withdraw within the borders of france 
the second consequence was that savoy was now secured to the cause of the grand alliance the french evacuated all piedmont except the fortresses these were lost one by one milan last the convention of milan march thirteenth seventeen o seven secured north italy for the allies but the kingdom of naples also was thus cut off from france by land whilst the english fleets prevented troops being sent by sea naples made a separate peace with the imperialists and was never again united to the monarchy of spain section three barcelona and madrid the successes of the earl of peterborough in spain and the acceptance of king charles in so large a portion of that country produced greater vigour on the french side than had yet been shown philip himself commanded an army whose object was to recover barcelona louis sent a fleet under his natural son the count of toulouse together with a skilled french marshal to help the inexperienced philip charles's ministers implored him to escape but he bravely determined to remain in barcelona which was soon blockaded by land and sea the breaches in the fortress of Manjuic, which peterborough had taken so quickly had not been properly repaired yet it held out for twenty-three days meanwhile peterborough with his small forces chiefly consisting of irregular troops tried to raise the siege but in vain the english fleet during peterborough's romantic enterprise had returned to england it was now back in the mediterranean and a new commission had been sent to peterborough which gave him the command of the fleet when he was on board ship at great risk he put out to sea in a small boat on the first night no ship of the fleet was to be seen on the second night he was more successful he did not wish the french admiral to see the whole fleet but rather desired to entice him to battle with a part and then to bring up the rest as a reserve but the count of toulouse was well informed and sailed back from barcelona to toulon the land forces soon followed the navy and the siege was raised the success upon the east of spain set in motion the army under the earl of galway on the west berwick who was opposing it had forces too small to resist the advance and fell back on the north philip who was in the north had hastened to madrid but he was obliged immediately to quit it he was attended on his retreat by his nobles more faithful to him on account of his adversity shortly after philip had left madrid galway with his english and portuguese troops entered the spanish capital this may be considered the highest point of the success of the allies on may eleventh the day on which the siege of barcelona was raised a total eclipse of the sun took place it was eagerly remarked that the sun in his glory had been the favourite device of louis the fourteenth in the middle of this year seventeen o six though victory in savoy was yet in the future the allies had been successful in the netherlands and both upon the east and west of spain they were fighting to keep down the power of louis especially to prevent him from attacking holland and to place the archduke charles upon the throne of spain all the strongholds of the netherlands were now in their hands and the capital of the spanish monarchy was taken by galway who anxiously expected charles to join him in madrid but our account of the year as a year of victory must end here when the cause of philip seemed to have reached its lowest stage 
a peculiar feature in the character of the spanish people especially in that of the castilians was shown they had not seemed to care for king philip and his prosperity he had excited no enthusiasm amongst them they had obstructed his government by their apathy if by nothing else now that he was in exile they became enthusiastic in his cause never was there such loyalty one story may serve as an illustration a castilian priest brought him one hundred and twenty pistoles from his small village which had only one hundred and twenty houses my flock are ashamed said the good priest with tears in his eyes that they are not able to send a larger sum but they entreat your majesty to believe that in the same purse are one hundred and twenty hearts faithful even to death against this feeling it was useless for the allies to contend it seems only wonderful that all did not recognize as peterborough expressly did that charles would never be king in castile for spain was now divided into parties almost as it had once been into kingdoms and the inhabitants would have gladly acquiesced in a division which would have given castile to philip and aragon to charles it was an englishman general stanhope who protested that this would reduce spain to naught in the councils of europe although madrid was thus held for him king charles could not be persuaded to enter he pleaded that he must enter in state and that his carriage was not ready our william the third reasoned general stanhope entered london in a hackney coach with a cloak bag behind it and was made king not many weeks after between the hostility of the natives and the lukewarmness or cowardice of the prince it was impossible to hold madrid as charles would not come to madrid galway no longer able to obtain supplies left madrid to join the archduke and the forces under peterborough charles marched from saragossa peterborough from valencia they joined each other and the next day effected a junction with galway at guadalajara we are told how each army saw with astonishment the smallness of the other as they left madrid barrack's troops entered and as the inhabitants were in favour of his cause his army was received with enthusiasm it grew day by day in numbers whilst the forces of the allies kept wasting the crisis was past never again had the cause of charles such a chance in spain as on the day when galway entered madrid moreover a new difficulty beset the allies not only were their troops few but their generals were many rather than serve under galway his senior officer peterborough determined to go a clause in his instructions had ordered him to proceed if he had an opportunity to the assistance of the duke of savoy he set off therefore for italy and was chagrined to find that all the officers were glad at his departure with many qualities that might inspire those under him peterborough had something that made him unpopular a most sarcastic and biting tongue from which even the prince was not safe when peterborough was gone however the cause of the allies did not prosper any better before the advancing troops of berwick they retreated to valencia where they wintered End of section nine